Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're You're about about to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to a special episode of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, the weekly anime podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're taking a break from our regular coverage to do our end of the year special for our third year of coverage and the year of 2019. 2019, the year that was. Some amazing things happened, and uh, I can't remember any of them right now, but I'm I'm sure I'll remember them in a minute. (laughs) Let's jump in. There's a there's a ballsy move for someone who had their first child in 2019. <laughs> Look, I was talking about an anime news. Um, of course, personal things happen. <laughs> screw you, Blake. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll talk about our personal recap uh, later. So there, there's a spoiler for all of you people who I guess don't listen to us a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, welcome. This is our end of the year recap. We do this every year. Uh, it's a fun wrap-up. God, I wish it's... I, I hope it's fun. I've listened to our first years <laughs> recently, and I thought it was very fun. Um, so yeah. I hope it remains fun for you guys. If you have not been with us since our last end-of-the-year special, and you're not like me, and you have to listen to everything from the beginning, welcome. And what we do on these end-of-the-year specials is we do uh, an episode that's a little longer than usual. We talk about everything we've covered this year. We talk about general anime stuff. We will give out completely arbitrary awards, and it should be a good time. And then we will take a week off, because that's what we want to do. And then we'll be back (laughs) at the beginning of the year with regular coverage. Um, So, I think think that's all the shit we're going to do, and it should be uh, be a good time. Yeah, um... So I mean, the first and foremost thing is that we uh, we usually do uh, a rundown of all of the shows that we have covered this year. Um, in previous years, we have covered um, more shows just because we ran shorter uh, uh, shorter series. But yeah. it looks like this time we're just covering the four that we covered all year. <laughs> yeah. Now I did throw in a couple of notes on. Um on uh some of the movies and stuff that we watched uh as well as the anime convention that we went to this year so we can kind of touch on those things um but yeah it's kind of weird we usually what we've got we started our show with naruto and hunter x hunter which are both you know hundreds of episodes a piece and naruto then has a more than 100 episode sequel series that is a direct continuation of it and is kind of required watching if you're going to cover Naruto. Uh, yeah. So we're going to be watching Naruto for many years yet. We are near, but not quite at the end of Naruto, at the end of our third year of coverage. Now, to be fair, our first year started in like July. So it wasn't a full year. But uh, that's a lot of Naruto. And we're going to be covering it for probably at least two and a half more years. I would expect more. And... Uh, so then Hunter x Hunter, we are also kind of nearing the end of that, although we do have a, a good chunk. It'll probably last most of the next year, if not past the next year. Um, I don't think it'll go a full year. Uh, 
But it, both of those have been since the beginning, and they're really long-running shows. And then we were mm-hmm. covering JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which we did not finish part three until a few weeks ago. And uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, did not get to its replacement yet. And uh, Soul Eater, which we I believe our first Soul Eater episode was like the last one of last year. And so while it is a much shorter show than the other ones, it, it is relatively substantial, sitting in at like 52 episodes or so. And uh, mm-hmm. because of when we started it, it caps us off with only four sh- shows this year. So uh, I guess less to cover from our end. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about some of the movies and stuff that we, ta- we did this year. And some of them I remember almost not at all. So it'll be real fun to talk about this. <laughs> Okay, so the first one that we did a full recap on is uh, Naruto and what happened in the year of Naruto. Um, oh man, there's been there's been some ups and downs. Um, one of the ups uh, was finally getting to the uh, amazing fights that happen at the very end of Naruto, um, where everybody is trying to chase chase down Sasuke as he puts himself in a big jug and runs out of town. Like you do. Um, <laughs> One of the downsides of watching Naruto right now, though, is that I had to do that stupid coverage of all of those stupid filler episodes. (laughs) That was kind of your fault. (laughs) Look, the dumbest part about it was that I had to watch all of those episodes about how he, the, they did that run through, um, oh, yeah, those episodes off of my brain. Yeah. Like, um, what was that? It was like the, they have to do a race in order to. Oh, the, um, you got to run, then you got to get on a boat. There's a lightning sword. <laughs> yeah, good good times. <laughs> I don't know if it's good times. It's definitely times. It's times though. that you did though. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, so so in, in sad news, the Hokage died this year. <laughs> yeah, that is how we started the year. So I guess kind of a bleak opening. But uh, that was running on from the story before it. So if you're a Naruto layman, it's a ninja world and they live in ninja villages. And the Hokage is the ninja president of their ninja village. And so Big Daddy Prez was killed by one of the villains. And we uh, mourned his loss at the beginning of the year. And then there's this dude called Itachi who is uh, the older brother of one of our main characters, Sasuke. And who was the uh, person responsible for the death of uh, Sasuke's entire family. So Sasuke has a real hate on for Itachi. And Itachi has been vanished for a while. And he shows up randomly uh, at the village. First to kick the asses of some of our powerful and respected characters. And then later to try and kidnap someone. And we think it's going to be Sasuke. But it's not. It's actually Naruto. That's weird. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to learn any more about that for a while, yeah, though. and he's not going to be And successful. by a while, I mean, yeah. Um, next, we're going to get into Naruto uh, finally learning how to explode a, explode a water balloon under pressure, um, <laughs> which is uh, super exciting. Yeah, the most powerful um, technique what... of all, water balloon explode. <laughs> yeah, the trick is that you have to spin the water inside of the water balloon. <laughs> That's how you do it. You do it. That's literally exactly correct. So uh, so uh, Naruto learns this from his new teacher, Jiraiya, who is an old pervy dude that is also secretly one of the strongest ninja around. 
and they are on a quest to find Jiraiya's old teammate, a woman named Tsunade, who is an mm. old, but she uses her techniques to make herself look younger than she is. She's not that old. She's in her 50s. Uh, and she is a little bit of a drunk. She's a gambling problem, and she is kind of no responsibility, party all the time lady, and they want her to become the new ninja <laughs> president. She is not into that. And Naruto is... Um, the thing with Naruto, again, if you're not familiar with Naruto, you, you won't necessarily know this. If you are, you will know the shit out of this. Naruto is a very passionate and a very loud-mouthed about his passion. And his passion centers around the sort of idea of being an honorable shinobi and being loyal to your village and um your friends and i think the village thing is maybe kind of a an emotional extension of the friends thing but basically he is floored that she could come from their village and not be anything but completely honored to have been chosen to be new ninja president and he gives her a telling off but good and she makes a gamble with him that he wins and she wants to be an ninja president. But first, they have a giant, small animal fight. Yeah. Can I point out as well that earlier Blake said party all the time, woman? Which just sounds like a like a, a, a bad translation from the Japanese. Look, I am what like... I am. <laughs> I think it's a pretty apt Anyways. description of her at the beginning of the series. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're gonna have a kaiju battle. Um, it's uh, it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, there's a giant frog. There's a giant snake. And if you like lizards and amphibians, get ready because the last one is not either one of those. It's a slug. <laughs> you know how those three things go together. Perfect. Yeah, they're the same. Uh, although I do think that there's some sort of like Japanese mythology that does tie them together. So maybe I'm just being a jackass right now. What well, else I mean, is if new? you put a snake, if you put a snake and a frog together, you get a slug. That's just that's true because frogs are kind of slimy and snakes are sort of long and not very leggy and uh, and s- slugs are kind of I don't know. Do slugs have legs? I think the slug in this one does, but fuck it. If the slug is what you get when a snake and a, a frog love each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, um, so that happens. Uh, they end up uh, chasing away Orochimaru, um, and uh, Orochimaru fades away into the ground. Get out of here. Know, like you do in Field of Dreams. Uh-huh. Um, anyways, if you build uh, it, I will that... steal your body. <laughs> um so uh, we also we also have a, a a terrible thing that we find out that ends up not mattering at all. Uh, much <laughs> as we'll get into a theme of this year, which is that uh, sometimes in Naruto they will introduce things that are supposed to be life altering and ending, and instead they just wave their hands away from them. Yeah. Uh, one of them is Rock Lee being completely broken by Gara, but instead of actually being completely broken, um, instead he's just uh, he's just going to be in the hospital hospital for a little bit and then he's gonna be fine don't worry about it. let me doubles advocate i think this one is an instance where it is not as poorly done as we've seen it's just rushed uh it should have taken longer and it should have taken more of a toll on him when he got back at it but basically he gets really injured in our second year of coverage 
And there is some back and forth about whether or not he will ever walk again or whether or not he will be able to be a ninja again. And it kind of comes down to Tsunade is a medical expert. And she is like, well, I can do this surgery on him, but it's really difficult and risky. And if it doesn't go perfectly, he will never be a ninja again. So... They set that up and he's like on crutches and in the hospital for a while. And then the surgery happens off screen while some other stuff is happening. And when we cut back to it, the surgery is over and it went fine. So there's like, it's not a complete misstep, like one of the ones that's coming up. But uh, it is a bit of a hand wave. You're definitely right about that. Like they set up him getting better but they don't pay off the drama of how unlikely it is that he will get better after building it up yeah meanwhile naruto and sasuke are going to get into an epic slap fight on top of a roof uh, they love each other so much they are going to uh each each one of them is going to destroy a different water cooler thing (laughs) oh yeah i forgot about that yeah (laughs) they attack each other with their own special attacks and sasuke's blows out the front of the water tank and naruto's puts a little baby hole in the front of the water tank and sasuke's like you're dumb i'm the best and then he sees that the entire back of naruto's has been blown off and that he's the dumb one yeah it's to be fair though they're both dumb that's true um anyways um good read the sound ninja the sound ninjas are going to show up and be like, hey, I heard that you wanted to become stronger so that you could kill your brother. That's fine. Uh, come with us. We we'll love that you. shit. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, okay. And they're like, all right, just get in this barrel. And he was just like, why? And they were like, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, they were like, "You, well, you have to die for this to work. And he was like, that sounds oh. great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they right. the sound ninja are they, this is like a secret village and sometimes it seems like it's less of a village and more of like a commune or a lair. Like I don't think they actually have their own village. Uh but these people are um Orochimaru's subordinates and Orochimaru is the big bad guy that we've mentioned a few times that killed the Hokage at the start of the year. And so he his whole thing is that he does an invasion of the body snatchers on people periodically so that he doesn't die and he can take over your body and make it his body and if you have any special ninja techniques then he gets those and uh so he looks for people that have special in inborn like family traits so there's different types of like ninja techniques that you can learn but there's also special types that you can only get through inheriting them and Sasuke has one of those called the Sharingan, and he wants that shit. So they they are taking him there with an ulterior motive. Yeah. Anyways, um, so uh, uh, before he leaves, Naruto is going to meet up with Sakura. Um, she's going to make him promise to bring back Sasuke, and Naruto's like, I'm going to do it no matter how long it takes. And it will take. And that is the promise that runs throughout the entire show. Yeah. Um, Here's a spoiler for you guys. If you are not familiar with Naruto, that is the rest of the show. <laughs> yes. Anyways. Um, meanwhile, they are going to send out 
the rest of these uh, these sound ninjas are going to be running away, and uh, they're going to be sending out uh, people to go catch the sound ninja. But it sounds like all of the super powerful people from the villages are kind of busy, so instead they're just like, okay, let's send these children to go battle and get this very important thing back for the village. Yeah, you so say that right now, and you're right. But when they said yeah. it in the show, I bought it. And when you said it just now, I was like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well, it's because when Ninja President died, this was in the midst of an invasion where a lot of other people died or were injured. And the ninja villages of the world live in a state of sort of uh, tension around... Um, possible warfare. They are they're fairly combative. Yeah, they're, they're in a they're in like a giant cold war. Yeah, that's a good way, everybody. or like a like a sort of stalemate. And so if they if any nation, that's what a cold war is, Blake. Well, it's just another <laughs> word for it. So like if if you're not up on your cold war history, you might not. <laughs> you have two inroads to understanding this. That's what I'm trying to get at. You got me no, all normal war nor, normal war is very hot and it's if you want it so, oh, to be so, cold ooh, war so hot. you gotta dip it in ice <laughs> is that how you just do a little dip dip and then is that the problem with global warming is that we can't cool off the wars anymore is that what the problem is yeah um yeah it's 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 like the same problem they dealt with inside of futurama is that they have to haul back ice from other planets to drop into our ocean oh. to keep it cool that makes sense. Uh, there's an idea, yeah. too, because we're getting to Mars, and there's all kinds of ice on Mars, apparently. And so, you know, we'll just sh- yeah. do some shaved ice and bring it back home. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Okay, Anyways, so, the, um, the, so the strong ninja can't do this because they have to stay and protect the village, partly by just putting up a front of strength, but partly because, like, villages get contract work, essentially, and their contract work amount is based on their known strength. And the village right now does not have that much strength. And so all their people are like busy doing the contract work when this thing comes up. So it makes sense. But you're also completely correct in your description of it. And maybe they should have just reallocated their resources. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, anyways. Um, so the, the team that's going to run after them is made up of children. It is Choji, Neji, um, uh, Kiba, um, uh, Shikamaru, and Naruto. Child squad. Um, they're, they're all going to get into their own respective fight with one of the sound ninjas. Uh, Choji is going to be the first one. He's going to fight against Jirobu. Um, Jirobu is a big fat guy who tries to eat people with uh, dirt. Um, so he does. He to do. You are on top of it with these succinct <laughs> descriptions today. Um, yeah, this is also the first time that Naruto really shits the bed on making a promise and not following through on it. And granted, at our point in coverage, we don't know that it has failed us entirely. But Spencer and I have both seen most or all of Naruto, and we know that it does. And so the the short version of the story, God, I hope we keep it short, (laughs) is that Choji has a technique that requires him to eat these food pills, which basically give him a super, super burst of energy at some sort of cost. And the last one is an only to be taken in emergencies, break glass in case of fire kind of thing. And he states unequivocally before taking it that if I take this, I will die. And then he takes it, and then he wins the fight, and then he has a death scene 
with all the trappings of beloved character is dying now. And then he sort of sits up against a tree and his eyes, they, I don't even think he closes his eyes. I think they do that thing where the light goes out of his eyes while they're open. And then it cuts away from him and all sad music and stuff. And then later on, we will find out that he's perfectly fine and has had no lasting consequences from this. Yeah. Then uh, there's a fight between Neji and Kitamaru. Uh, Kitamaru is a Spider-Man, uh, not to be confused with Spider-Man or Spider-Man, um, a, uh, a Jewish man who lives in Manhattan. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man? <but> instead, <laughs> his name is Charles Spider-Man. <laughs> um Anyways, so Neji is going to get into a fight with this one, uh, and they're going to go back and forth until Neji basically sacrifices himself to finally defeat the spider. Um, and this he is going to lead to yet another death scene, and he doesn't actually die. I think this one is less sure, though. Like, I remember being surprised that Neji survived this when I first watched the show, but being like, well, I guess you could... It's unlikely, yeah. but you could survive it. Uh, yeah. Whereas Net, you know, Choji was like, "I will definitely die." Those are the rules, and then the rules are thrown out the window. Like when you have a board yeah. game, and you're like, "Fuck the rules," and you throw them out the, you know, how you throw things out windows. Which Blake would never do. Would because never do. Also, you gave me a board game, and it's one that we used to play that I love. It's called Couriers, and you did not give me the rules, and I don't remember how to play it. <laughs> Luckily, you have this thing called the internet, which will have the rule book on it. Look, I haven't taken the time to find it. I just wanted you to know how mad I am at you. <laughs> anyway, Here's a gift um, that you the, can't use. You can use it. I don't. Use the internet, you idiot. I can't. I can't. Anyways, um, so uh, the next uh, fights are going to be happening simultaneously. Uh, the first one is going to be Kimimaru versus Naruto, then Shikamaru versus Tayuya, and then Kiba versus uh, Kiba and Nakamaru versus Sakon and Ukon. Um, they uh, they are pretty good fights. Um, Kimimaru is a guy who can shoot bones out of his body and make lots of spiky bones stick out of his body. It sounds way more sexual than it is, but yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Like, where is this going? Yeah. Um, then there's uh, Tiyuya, who is this girl that can play a flute. Um, and then lastly, <laughs> we have uh, Sakon and Ukon, which are just a guy with a head off of his back. It's a guy with another guy head. living inside of him. Yeah, you know, like you, like you do. Oh my god, my cat wants to break in here, and so there may be ambient noises uh yeah okay so um i was just gonna uh, sorry i got distracted by the thought i was having while i was about to start saying something else which is i'm about to move into a new place and it's much bigger and we will have like a dedicated office that is also not also where our cat's food and potty is and i was like oh she probably won't try to break in anymore and then i was like no cats do that because they just don't want any doors closed like a very conservative parent they're like no doors closed in my house I loved when you remember when Ben said that inside of the house. He was like, he was like an old Catholic grandmother. There's never closed doors. Hey Ben, miss you, buddy. He was he was talking about it. He was talking about his dog at the time, which is very funny because his dog gets very upset if you shut any doors in the house. Uh-huh. 
So, uh, so the the three fights that are happening that are remaining, they are actually ongoing. And at the end of our coverage, basically all of the heroes have taken a turn for the worse, and they are in a in a moment where they're about to be killed. And then someone else shows up to save them. Now, this first yeah. happens with Naruto, and the person who shows up is Rock Lee, who we mentioned earlier as having debilitating injuries, which about an episode before this we discover are no longer debilitating. Although they do say that he needs to take it easy, and he promptly appears not taking it easy, and I don't think there are any consequences for this. Um, yeah. So, he is going to have a pretty good fight that lasts like an episode or so against Kidomaru. Kimimaru. Kidomaru mm-hmm. is a different one. Kimimaro, they go back and forth. Kimimaro is definitely winning. Lee takes his medicine, which he is accidentally mixed up with some sake, and gets immediately shit-faced and becomes a drunken-style master and starts to win. And then he sobers up because Kimimaro is able to inflict a small injury on him, and he starts to lose. And then his fight also ends with a surprise appearance. And it's the Sand Ninja from earlier. Uh... We haven't talked about them this year because they were part of the invasion force that led to the Hokage's death, which is what started this year. But basically, they are people Naruto's age or so, and they were villains. And then Naruto talked them into being not villains anymore, and now they're showing up as friends. So we'll see how that goes in the new year. All right, everybody. After uh, I randomly ran out of the room for a minute there, <laughs> we're back with our coverage. Um, anyways. The uh, life of a semi-professional podcaster. Yeah, for real. Um, so we we basically explained everything that happened in Naruto this year. Um, next show that we're going to be covering is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders Part 2, Battle in Egypt. Jesus. Um, the fact <laughs> think, that we don't have to say that anymore is just so great. <laughs> I think we technically start with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. And I don't think there's a special name for Part 1. I think it just is Part 3, Stardust yeah. Crusaders. Uh, yeah. I think what do you really the, need to know about this show? I think we had the last like three episodes or something of part one at the beginning of the year, but they are uh, less of an ending of a first part. Like they're they the two parts are split up just I think because it's so long, and less because there's like a distinct story beat that they have to do in the first part versus in the second part. Uh, you could argue that the story beat of the first part is get to Egypt. Uh, that is true, and I could concede that, but that is in service of the larger story arc, which is Get to Dio, who happens to be in Egypt. So basically, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is an anthology series with several heroes named Jojo who are all related to each other in different uh, time periods. Uh, so this is our third Jojo, who is the grandson of the second Jojo, who is also a hero in this third part. And that second Jojo is the son of the first Jojo, I believe. So we're a few generations down, and we've had several vampiric enemies. Now our enemies have this new thing called Stans, which is like an avatar with special powers that you can summon to fight for you. And uh, they have fought one stand per episode, with the exception of a few two-part episodes or multi-stand episodes. And that 
took them on a journey from Japan to Egypt. They've got to go there to beat the villain Dio, who is the reincarnated. Uh, well, no, not reincarnated. He's just immortal, and he was he rebodied. He yeah. He was a uh, he was a uh, his head. He was decapitated, and then he was like, "I'm just gonna stick my head on your body, and yeah, now he, I'm you." Like uh, the song, a Beyonce song, uh, get get them bodied. He got him bodied. Uh, so he is back, and his presence seems to be causing the mother of Jojo, the protagonist here, and the daughter of Jojo, the protagonist from part two, who is also here, to uh, slowly die. So they need to go kill him to save her life, and also because he's an evil bastard who wants to take over the world. They have to get to Egypt, and so that's pretty much what happened in our previous year of coverage. And at this start of this year, they get there, and they meet a new member of the group. Mm-hmm. This uh, new member is a dog. His name is Iggy. Um, and then a whole bunch of other stuff is going to happen. They're going to battle uh, with a bunch of different stands. Uh, some of our friends that we met along the way are going to die. Um, some of them are not. Eventually, Dio's going to get defeated, and now I'll never watch this show again. Yeah, um, and the, anyways, and we talked a lot about Naruto, and that is really all there is to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. It's like, there are memorable bits, but they are all in service of a single plot line, and you could, you can actually gloss over all of them and get the full story. Like, the story is, the heroes discover that there is a villain who's awakened, his awakening has caused them to have personal stakes in his defeat beyond just him being a villain who needs defeating. They travel to where he is. When they get there, they have to figure out where exactly he is. They do. They fight him. He dies. That's the story. And it just turns out that it takes like 50 episodes to get there and each episode encompasses a different subordinate of his fighting them. And some are better than others. Uh, some are more memorable for good or ill. I'm thinking of the car, uh, mm-hmm. which was not good. In fact, yeah. most of it wasn't good, if you ask either of us. Oh, but speaking of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, I recently, I'm listening to our backlog sort of slowly, and I recently listened to the first episode of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure that we did, which covered part one, episodes one through three. And that's not Stardust Crusaders part one. That is Phantom Blood part one the very beginning of jojo's adventure and we loved it and i haven't rewatched those episodes but if i recall correctly we loved it on its own merits like it earned our love it was an amazingly good you know anime movies worth of television then i just listened on my trip back uh, from Christmas to the second time that we watched JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the next three episodes, and we were both basically like, what the hell happened? This was so <laughs> good. Why is it so weird now? Nothing makes sense. Things are being pulled out of thin air in a way that is not narratively satisfying or logical at all. And we both were like, well, the first three episodes were great. And the show's really popular, and we want to like it, and we are excited to watch more. And oh, how the innocence of youth fades. (laughs) (laughs) I have said on this show that I'm going to watch part four. And I stand by that, although I have not done it yet. Yeah. I'm real curious to see, because each... the, The... 
the good thing about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and this was something that the uh, YouTuber Mother's Basement mentioned about it, was that each series is uh, sort of an anthology series because it's sw- it shifts in time. You get new protagonists, and they kind of do a different thing each time. So the first time it's like a vampire takeover, and the second time it's like these uh this sort of indiana jones inspired immortal guys coming to life and we've got to stop them and this one is like a road trip across uh eurasia and all of those things are interesting it just doesn't work for either of us i don't think and Mm -hmm. so you know maybe part four i've heard really interesting things about part four and i am intrigued and uh i I would like it to turn around, but I just, in in my heart, I know that it's just going to be a lot more being absurd for the sake of absurdity and throwing the narrative out the window in the, uh, in the service to that absurd absurdity. And I am very narratively focused as I think you are Spencer. And that drives me goddamn nuts. Mm-hmm. So Anyways, we'll see. Let's. Let's uh let's go over to Hunter Hunter now. Um, That's better. Oh, sorry, Hunter what the Hunter. fuck did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I mostly do it now just so that I can get a rise out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they. I think they've shown it on like. Uh, so okay, backstory for all of you people listening who might not know. We say Hunter X Hunter. We did that from the very beginning. One of our first reviews was I thought this was a good show until I heard you say the X in Hunter x Hunter, and now I won't listen to you anymore. Uh, and I don't remember if that was like a literal review left on like iTunes or if it was like somebody reaching out to us on social media or something. Uh, and so we have doubled down on saying the X. Uh, I, I have strongly held but not well-founded personal beliefs that uh, either way is fine and that this show shall never say hunter hunter it must always be hunter x hunter and uh yeah i think in universe the x's replace a space and they have their own alphabet so an x is a space or something like that so it's supposed to be silent but that's not how our universe works so it is hunter times hunter hunter squared uh (laughs) and uh so if you hate that well then we make fun of you periodically and listen to us anyway because we are charming affable idiots and you love that shit, don't you? Yeah. Um, a, a brief aside. A yeah. brief aside to all of our all of our wonderful people that have left us reviews. Um, uh, I, we have almost universally gotten five star reviews and great <laughs> reviews. I am very proud of this. We have twenty two in total. The only one that we have that is not is this person that was just like bitching about how shonen is just not battles and they were like just watch dragon ball z and naruto if you want mindless explosions and battles there's more to shonen than battles and i was just like yeah we know that listen to the show yeah (laughs) and also i like the mindless explosions and battles i've said multiple times that that's my favorite part (laughs) (laughs) yeah that one was just weird and stuck in my craw. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, whenever you do anything that has a nerd community attached to it, which is like all things these days, there's always that one guy who's like, um, actually, it's not exactly how I like it, and so you're trash, and you should be burned at the stake. Um, and usually that's me, but this is my show, and so I plead the fifth. 
Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump into Hunter x Hunter and what happened this year. So um, it starts out with uh, with them still in the Greed Island arc. Um, we stopped last year on the Greed Island arc. They had just left for it. Um, and Gon Killua and Biscuit are teamed up uh, with Ahsoka for a really awesome game of dodgeball. Um, so that happened. Yeah, Gon and Killua are our lovable heroes. Hisoka is our super creepy uh, villain. Biscuit is the trainer for our lovable heroes. And Greed Island is a video game that they're inside of that they then learn is not a video game, but is actually like a teleportation thing to a mystically protected island and that they're in the real world, and but they're playing by video game rules or some shit. And so they have to play this dodgeball game. I don't actually even remember why. I think they have to get like a a series of cards or items or something and one of them is super rare and you can only get it by winning this dodgeball game and it, it's it sounds dumb because it's a dodgeball game and it's actually one of the most exhilarating combat sequences in the show and it's so good and uh it, it's it lasts like two or three episodes it's really 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 good stuff and uh then they win and they get the thing but there's also this guy running around called gen through the bomber and nobody really knows who he is, but he is making people explode periodically. And they uh, they kind of come to a head because the game is getting close to being won for the first time in like a decade or more. And uh, and Gon is right there in the middle of it because he, his team has a lot of the difficult to find pieces. So they're trying to sort of negotiate how they can get the pieces from each other and win the game. And Gen through the bomber is like, I'm going to blow up everybody and nobody knows who I am. And so they have to kind of come together with a couple other teams and try to take out Gen through the bomber, which turns out to be one dude with two other friends who have a similar ability. Um, yeah. That, that's also a great fight. Yeah. Um, is fantastic. So, yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the best. Uh, it, it's uh, also the most shonen arc, which is definitely why I like it the most. Uh, and I've heard I've heard about so Hunter x Hunter continues past the show. Uh, I think the the author is famous for taking several hiatuses, um, but he's back from one, and there's an arc going on now that sounds pretty shoneny, and it sounds like my kind of thing, but it's not animated, so I don't know how I'm going to get to it. Um, but I've heard good things, so you know this may not be my arc, my favorite arc in the entire series as a series but in the anime greed island is where it's at and for me it's all downhill from there yeah anyways um the rest of the show that we've covered this year is mostly about um uh gone killua and the rest of the hunter organization battling against these new monsters that have appeared called the chimera ants um they are um interesting to me and gross and obnoxious to blake um they're interesting they... but the the way that they do their thing just ticks a box for me that makes it hard for me to enjoy and yeah. then the way that the story is told around them drives me nuts yeah the the biggest thing to to remember inside of this plot arc is that you can't trust you can't much in the way that you can't trust George R. R. Martin to not kill the characters you love. You also cannot uh, trust the creator of Hunter x Hunter to not kill your new favorite character, Kite, because that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so basically the chimera ants are bad because they eat creatures and then they, they, uh, create a new generation with the traits of those creatures. They start to eat people. And so you basically get an army of super strong, dangerous humanoid monsters that are, they are like anthropomorphic animals with ant parts. Uh, and they are creepy and cool designs and they're, uh, sort of a an insatiably hungry species and left unchecked they could spread through the entire world and like completely destroy everything um so that's not great for the humans so they want to stop them uh yeah this guy named kite becomes a mentor for gone and Killua for all of three seconds before he is in unser- unceremoniously killed um gone has a lot of very dark feelings about that uh, but spends a little while in a uh, sort of optimistic denial of his death. Uh, when he is presented with the evidence of his death, he gets a sort of out-of-character-seeming dark resolve. The, then Gon and Killua join up with the group that is trying to stop the ants, and they go into a new country that the ants recently took over to try and kill the newly hatched king, this guy named Meliaron. And, or sorry, no, uh, that's the, uh, the guy who wants to kill the king. Oh shit. I don't remember the king's name. It starts with an M. Um, Meruem? Meruem. Yeah, you're right. Meruem. And he's got three super powerful guards. So they have a a hard road ahead of them, but they, at the end of our coverage, uh, Gon meets this guy named Meliaron, who is a chameleon dude who can basically make himself, um, fade from notice is his is his stealth ability and so he wants to team up with gone to try and kill the king basically deliver a fatal blow before the king knows that they are there and meanwhile Killua befriends this like octopus sniper guy named decalgo so the ants have kind of shaken up with the king's birth and some of them are defecting to the good guys yeah and anyways we are on the cusp of an invasion of the ants kingdom here at the end of our coverage for this year. Yeah. That, that basically covers what we did in Hunter X Hunter this year. Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and roll into soul eater because, uh, we've been, we've been going for like a hot minute now. (laughs) Yeah. Soul eater is dope. Yeah. Soul eater has a lot of really uh, exciting things that have happened this year. Um, we've got to, uh, meet Krona. Krona is a fantastic character. Um, Excalibur makes his, uh, his appearances this year. Um, and he's, uh, the worst character. Um, but also one of the funniest characters inside of the show. Yeah. (laughs) Just because of like how ridiculous he is. (laughs) He's awesome. He's so funny. So soul eater, if you haven't been paying attention, it is uh, basically Hogwarts for people who can turn themselves into weapons and people who can wield those weapons. And they learn how to fight people who have corrupted themselves into demons and uh, kill them and eat their souls. Uh, there are also witches. They want to kill the witches and eat their souls too. And uh, the demon people and the witches are kind of generically evil. Uh, they're not like... It's not like an episode of Power Rangers where they're evil because for because. But they are... They're kind of... They just trend that way. And... Um, so our heroes are trying to take them out. And um, the thing about Soul Eater that I think we both love is that we neither of us responds very well to anime comedy. A lot of it is just this sort of over-the-topness that I think to me comes off as trying to be funny instead of being funny. 
uh, or making uncouth sexual humor. And I, I don't know exactly why that tickles the fancy of people who like that, but for me it just seems gross. And uh, this show has a little bit of that, but for the most part, it is very, very sincerely funny. Um, it's just really well done, and it has this like high level of style. And I've actually heard people say that that's something they didn't like about it, um, which is kind of weird to me. But whatever, if you want like a, I don't know, I, I was going to say more realistic. And I was like, I don't know how much you can get that from anime except like Cowboy Bebop or something, which even then. Uh, but yeah, the it's just everybody is super stylized. Everything is super stylish. It's great. It's fun to watch. It's beautifully animated. It's sincerely funny. It's a great show. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really good show. Uh, the other things that are going to be happening instead of this season are uh, Asura is going to be awakened. Um, he is this guy that lives underneath, uh, well, he's trapped underneath Soul Society. Um, and not Soul Society, but the DWMA. Um, <laughs> Soul Society is in Bleach, and Bleach is different. Um, but uh, Asura is going to be awakened in a one of the most insane fight scenes, um, followed by a fight scene that is fantastic between him and Death. Um, it is it is a great couple of episodes. Um, but that being said, every episode of Soul Leader is good. Um, then and we also I didn't know until recently, but there is a lot of filler in Soul Eater, and I didn't notice, which is really strange for filler. Because usually you can tell that something isn't quite right and that the story is like a little lame compared to the regular story. Uh, and I couldn't tell with this. And when we discovered it, we were like, oh, I could see that because there are several plot lines that don't super advance what's going on. But like, it's so well done that you don't really notice or care. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. The other thing that's going to be happening is that Corona, the person that we have met before, um, defects to the good side and then defects back to the bad side um, inside of these episodes. Um, so uh, Corona, Corona was taught that you can be friends with people and people can actually care about you by Maka. Um, and then Maka's uh, our main Corona, hero. Yeah, and then Krona is convinced to come back, uh, mostly because uh, Krona has been completely, completely, um, you know, messed up from a very young age by their mother, um, who is Medusa. Yeah, Krona is the victim of some pretty severe abuse throughout their life. And so, essentially, Maka convinces... Krona to turn to the side of good with a sincere offer of friendship and love, which Krona has never really received. And then later, when Medusa reappears after having been thought to be killed, Krona uh, turns back to the bad side in the way that uh, people who have been in abusive situations sometimes find themselves being pulled back into that situation or a similar situation it's a it's a pattern that can unfortunately repeat itself and that's true in the real world as well as in this story um it's a a sad truth and an unfortunate thing Um, but for this it basically leads krona to bugging one of the heroes the bug will make another of the heroes go crazy um okay so let's see we got interrupted again 
I'm talking about Corona <laughs> betraying the heroes. She basically uh, bugs one of the heroes. This bug will let them listen into the heroes, but also it will make another hero who is prone to insanity go insane faster when he's around her, even though she's supposed to be a calming presence. So this is going to backfire on the heroes. Um, and that that's that's the end of Soul Eater for the year, I think. Uh, so good. <laughs> Great, and we'll probably. Finish I'm glad it that we got year. interrupted at the. I'm glad that we got interrupted at the very end of explaining what's happened. Yeah, this year. <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like in the middle of talking about Corona, and you're like, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta go do this thing real quick," and then I was like, "Well, maybe I should keep going, maybe I should stop," and by that point, my train of thought had left the station, and I was like, "Well, I guess I gotta stop now." <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's now get into the other things that we watched this year. So we watched uh, a couple of movies that were um, uh, crossover episodes. I didn't realize we had done this many crossover episodes this year. Yeah, we did a lot. Um, but yeah, so my, my uh, I was going to say my favorite, but I think I liked all of these. Um, the one that surprised me the most, though, was Redline. Um, Redline is a very, very fun movie, if not a ridiculous, ridiculous movie. It is. It's a. Uh, it's kind of like an entire movie about the pod racing from Star Wars, except great. <laughs> if that makes sense, like it's all sci-fi racing, and it's more like cars and stuff than like pod racers. But it's like that whole. The whole thing is that. Like it's it's a a universe surrounding sci-fi racers and it's so good it's so good it's like a mm-hmm. it's one of those concepts where you're like how did they get a full movie's worth of story out of this maybe the story will be very light and the rest of the movie will hold it up and you know it's not the most amazing story or the most complicated thing but it it's actually like it's got something going on and the racing feels justified there and then their racing is long and interesting and it's just a really 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 good movie and you should watch it yeah you can rent it the, on amazon my, i would say that the the second best one that we watched this year and this is going to be really saying something is pokemon the first movie yeah i would agree with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we also get to do this crossover with um, sbj from it's super effective which, when we did the crossover, I had not actually listened to any It's Super Effective, and now it is part of my normal rotation of podcasts, and I've listened to a lot of it. And it's a good show if you like Pokemon. If you don't like Pokemon, there's not a lot there for you. But if you do like Pokemon, you will enjoy it probably a lot. Uh, I I really enjoy that show, and he's really funny. They, they're all pretty great, uh, but he's like the main host, so it's pretty cool. I got like starstruck in arrears. Because I was like, oh, when we recorded with him, I didn't know much about his show. But now he's the host of one of my favorite podcasts, and I can't believe that I got to record with him. Yeah, it's really fantastic that we got to do this, and I am I'm very proud sometimes of the cool shit that we get to do. Um, the uh, the next I would say in the in the echelon of <sighs> things that I would want to watch again would probably be the Bleach live action movie. Oh, see, um, I would go with Alita over Bleach. See, I hated Alita. I hated right. it so much. Yeah, um, I thought it was fine. If you listen, 
if you listen to my review of it and uh some people did and got annoyed with me that i hated it so much <laughs> um i stand by i stand by it um because as somebody who usually watches one thing um and then l- tries to put it down for a while and then watch it again I've watched Alita inside of the theaters, and then I watched Alita again um, when it came out on like DVD and on demand, and I hated it as much the second time as I did the first time, which usually just means that I, I like to stick where I was. It was just, it was one of those movies that I, I think, I think did not go hard enough into the source material, and it bothered me because of that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do a counterpoint. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was like super good. Um, But I'm going to make a comparison between it and Detective Pikachu, which I actually do think is like sincerely good. Um, Yeah. Detective Pikachu is a video game movie and is far and away the best. It's like Citizen Kane. If you're only looking at video game movies, so good compared to those. And it is pretty good in the general echelon of movies. Like, not an insanely mm-hmm. great plot, but uh, really fun, funny, fun to watch, that kind of thing. In the same vein, Alita comes from another difficult adaptation category, which is the adapting of an anime, and particularly an anime series, or a manga series. Um, I think Alita has both, but I'm definitely aware of the, the manga. So Alita is really good. For an anime manga adaptation. Uh, For a movie in general, it is good, but it has some major flaws. And there are some serious pacing issues. There's a lot of world building going on, and some of it feels like an as-you-know kind of brush-off. And I'm like, but I don't know. And some of it is explained more thoroughly. And there's like a few things going on in the plot where it seems like, it, as somebody who has not read or seen the original Alita Battle Angel, I get the impression that there were several plot lines that went over an extended period of storytelling and that they were trying to pay homage to those several plot lines while also con- you know condensing the storytelling into a two-hour film. Because... Storytelling for a movie is pretty focused, and storytelling for a TV show, especially an anime TV show, tends to be a little bit more meandering, sometimes in in better ways and sometimes in worse. You know, you get something like Naruto, where the, the arc that we're in right now is the Sasuke retrieval arc. The point is Sasuke is defecting from the village, Naruto is on a team that's trying to stop him from getting away and return him to the village. And on the way to there, there is an entire arc of like 30 or more episodes where all kinds of stuff happens. But it's not super plot heavy, but it is really memorable and enjoyable. And so if you were trying to adapt that arc, you would have a really hard time both staying faithful to the source material and making a movie that feels like a movie. And I think Alita walked that line and maybe was a little too in both camps for its own good. I am hmm. definitely a little bit more open to like general adaptations than you are. It seems in general, um, like I think you get a little bit more excited about seeing this exact thing translated to screen than I do and more disappointed when you don't. And, uh, so that didn't bother me as much, but also, yeah, I think it's good. It's flawed. 
but not so flawed that it's just like a trash film from my perspective. And uh, I thought it was pretty decent. And I was very happy to see it do okay for itself. I don't know that it did great, but I think it did fine and was well made. And that's good news for future anime adaptation properties. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, there is the worst movie of the year, which is Spriggan. Um, it is uh, about a very dumb super soldier plotline that nobody asked for. Um, what are my fucking literal... notes? <laughs> I wrote three sentences for this movie. Super soldier student, literal Noah's Ark, you know how it is. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's very stupid. Um, it's, it's, it's a movie that I don't, I, I just, I had a really hard time following. Um, the most frustrating part about it is that there's some action scenes that are actually really fun to watch. Um, but the plot line is just a hot mess. Well, this, like... it actually has the same problem as Alita, which is that it is adapting a much longer work and it is trying both to fit the point A that is where they chose to start the story and the point B that is where they want the story to get to with a lot of shit that happens in between there. And it's the same issue where they're trying to like touch on these things that in the course of the series that it's adapting have time to breathe because it's an ongoing series, but this is a movie. And so you need things to move and you need them all to flow and work together. And it doesn't. And it's a little bit anime sometimes, maybe maybe even often have a tendency to jump the shark at the end i would say neon genesis evangelion is one of the most famous examples of this where you just kind of run off into left field and make up some wild shit that not everybody really gets and then it's over and Mm -hmm. this movie kind of does that and it is yeah it's a little bit more sensical it is it's it's random but it makes sort of sense if you like reconstruct the plot and how we got here more so than some shows and some series but i think Mm. because of the nature of it being a single movie it it doesn't stick the landing because it just doesn't have enough time to build up to this otherwise Mm. it would be like a four-hour movie or more yeah all right so then let's just go ahead and get on the other uh, the other crossover episode we covered this year, which was an interesting one. We talked to uh, 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 Anime Motivation about anime piracy, which is really interesting. Um, that one was not really us watching anything. It was just us going over how it how it is in the United States, how it is in other countries. Um, we We had some interesting counterpoints and points. Um, I also watched the Naruto second film, um, which is about the Stone of Galil, and it is a very weird Naruto movie that it's a lot of hand-wavy magic that I did not enjoy a ton, but it's definitely better than some of the other Naruto movies. <laughs> well, and the thing about most anime movies, and from I've seen several Naruto movies, and they, this is true for all of them, is that the anime movies have a tendency to exist outside of canon. You can usually comfortably place them inside of canon at a specific point where you're like, this character has an ability that they learned in these episodes, but not the scar that they got in these episodes or whatever. So you can kind of figure out where it goes, and usually it fits relatively comfortably. 
And the movies play by the rules of filler, which is that things can happen in them, but the characters will be returned to their status quo by the end of it. And so what I learned from watching several Naruto movies growing up is that the Naruto movies are a good chance to get really high-quality, well-produced action sequences that are good for a great fight, and then that's that. Like, the plots tend not to be very good, but the fights usually are great, and they're animated really well. Yeah. Did you find Um, that to be the case with this one? Yes, except for there were some anticlimactic fights that happened at the very end, which were frustrating, but... Whatever. What can you do? Yeah, I think they. Um, I think that's also a thing that I noticed with the Naruto fights is that like the best fights are the the midpoint fights, and then the end fight is always like he has a new thing to add to his Rasengan, and it wins. And you're like, yeah, but he didn't do anything for that. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So next, let's go ahead and go over one of the most exciting things that happened this year, which was that we were invited as press corps to Anime Central. Um, Anime Central is a gigantic anime uh, convention that is in Chicago. Um, it is way bigger than the the first one that we went to. Um, I, I I will not say better because uh, the anime uh, con that we went to in um portland was just as fun um it was just not nearly as many people as the one in chicago yeah the one in chicago was just like oh god there are a lot of people (laughs) yeah i think the the kumori cons the other one that was in portland uh, i would say it was a little bit better organized for us as members of the press there were several times at anime central and maybe this was just like us being our first time there because i had never been to anime central at all and so Mm. when suddenly we're there and uh, it was a little bit challenging because um, the the uh, the event takes place across this like very large area, and it, it's like a one of those big city convention centers that bleeds into like the attached hotel, and so there's like a lot mm-hmm. of walking from one place to the other that was like an extended trek through unfamiliar terrain, and so. I remember feeling like a little confused, whereas Kimori Khan, it was like, go to the press room. It's over here. And that was way easier. <laughs> but that's, I think, also a, yeah. a, a consequence of the size of the thing. Yeah. So um, some of our uh, notable interviews, uh, we interviewed Eric Vale, uh, Crispin Freeman, Brittany Karabowski, Christopher Widecap, and then we did a really cool uh, Bean Bandit press panel. Um, with some of the original creators of Bean Bandit, which was really exciting. Um, it was it was cool to be part of a press panel. Um, but I would say one of uh, one of my favorite highlights from the whole thing is that we got invited um, to go see uh, a a first showing inside of the United States of Made in the Abyss movie. Um, it was really cool to be able to go to it. Um, it was also one of the hardest anime movies that I've ever watched in my entire life yeah, just because of how brutal it was. Which is just on brand for Made in Abyss. It's <laughs> a yeah. hard to watch show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, other things happened in this this year in manga, anime, and our lives. Um, so if you haven't heard uh, in a couple of episodes, um, I have recently had my first child, so that happened. Um, also, Blake got married this year. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I moved back from Portland to Memphis. 
um, and Blake is about to move out of Wyoming and into Colorado. <laughs> yep. So we are just moving all the time. And I was thinking about this the other day because I was listening to our episode and you were like, oh, so-and-so in Portland. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I, I know I've done this a few times on the show, uh, but I find it fascinating. So the, the show, when we started recording it, we both lived in Chicago and we recorded it in person together. Then a few episodes in, Spencer moved out of Chicago to Portland, Oregon. Then later, uh, I think like a, a year, it was the next year, I think it was like eight or nine months in technical time, I moved out of Chicago to a place called Santa Maria, California, where I lived for just a few months while my now husband completed his job training. We then moved from there to Cheyenne, Wyoming, where we currently live for like a few more days. Uh, and then you moved from Portland to Memphis, which is where we initially met and is where your wife is from and is more or less where you're from. And then I am now uh, actually going to go take some money to finish the application process to my new place in northern Colorado today. So uh, that's a lot of places. Yeah. G- yeah. Good for us. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, other stuff that's happened in the anime world this year, My Hero Academia ended up being, you know, the show of the year again for, um, I don't know, what, the third year running now? Yeah, it's just Um, so good. It's like, sometimes the show of the year is like, it was popular and now it's popular because it was popular. So everybody's just mm -hmm. still watching it. But My Hero Academia keeps giving you reasons to love it. It keeps earning its place. It's really good. Yeah. The other show that I continue watching is uh, Fire Force because it is just so fantastic. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, a lot of people have been giving it flack recently. I've been reading about people that are just like, um, it's it, it has moments of fan service inside of the show that sometimes are a little bit more than Soul Eater. But it's also poking fun at fan service, which I think is missed by a lot of people. And I didn't get to experience this with Soul Eater just because I didn't experience it when it was first coming out. But I'm like people they're make they're poking fun at it stop taking it so seriously this is interesting that you're bringing this up though because i recently started reading soul eater um it's the same creator but his art style is different than the show my understanding as a sort of outsider who has done very little research on this is that the manga slowly gains a more clear style that more closely resembles the show and that the show pulled on that style and solidified that for itself. But when you read the manga, things are just a little bit more, a little bit different. They almost evoke to me a more of a romance genre um, style of art as, as far as like the way that they do the eyes and stuff like that. But um, it is super fan servicey in a way that is like sincerely uncomfortable at times. And it is toned way the fuck down in the show, which is crazy because the show has some serious fan service moments. Like the, literally the first adventure of our main heroes is they go to try and find this witch and she she has a running gag where she is frequently naked and taking, uh, you know, like a bubble bath or something. And the bubbles are like barely covering her nipples and uh, her like hoo-ha. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, hoo-ha. So, uh it's wild like there is a shot in the manga where she is naked and is not covered by bubbles and her naughty bits are literally just not drawn on 
And it's like she's got big boobs in the anime and they are like three times bigger in the manga. It's like it's kind of gross. It's just too much. And there's like panty shots from Maka, which they really cut out of the show. Uh, like sometimes her skirt flies up and you can see her panties, but it never focuses on them. And it's just like, there's a lot of really uncomfortable, really in your face over sexualization of characters, uh, sorry, female characters. And it's odd. And I'm only in like the first volume or two. So the story's just got off the ground, but like, it's got a long way to go before it resembles the soul leader of the show in art style and sort of presentation. But uh, the story is the same. And so for you to say that like Fire Force has a lot of moments of fan service and that people feel like it's a lot makes sense with my experience of the Soul Eater manga. Uh, And I, I haven't read the Fire Force manga or watched the show yet, but that's just kind of an interesting point that you bring up that I had been noticing as like an uncommon major difference between the manga and the show of soul eater hmm. that's interesting yeah. i didn't realize it was like that inside the manga it's weird and like it's too much at times like honestly yeah uh-huh. all right anyways let's go ahead and uh get into um the year that was inside of our rankings um yeah. so, so first and foremost we did this last year we ranked the shows we put them on a list we only ranked the shows that we had watched and for this year I think the only thing we're adding is part three of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but that's actually already on there. We just, I I would say we shouldn't add a part three, part two. I think it's all one thing. Um, yeah. So from my perspective, let's revisit this list, maybe from bottom to top and see if it should remain in its current form. Does that sound good? Okay. So, um, let's go from the very bottom to the top. So, the very, very bottom of the rung is going to be JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> it's going to be uh, the bottom three slots out of ten total. Uh, part two, we decided to place at the bottom. Uh, it is a much longer section than the first part. The first part is nine episodes. Part two is like 20 or 30. Um, and I, I don't remember a ton about the show. Um, the, the overarching plot is that the vampires from part one return. There are some other immortal people called the pillar men who are kind of similar to the vampires. They play by a lot of the same rules. They are arbitrarily stronger and there are just some random fights while they try to stop them from being reincarnated. Then they're reincarnated and there are some additional random fights until they have beaten them. And I don't know. I just remember... I think the reason we placed it at the bottom is that part one had these real glowing moments of brilliance that it then undercut with the continuation of the story. And I felt like part two never really had any of those moments. Like my memory of watching Mm. part two is one of consistent frustration and letdown. Mm. All right. So this is going to be one that I'm going to suggest that we swap now that we've gotten it further into uh, the show. I would suggest that Dimension W should now be pushed underneath Naruto because Naruto is really shifting into gear. Um, so I would rank I would rank Dimension W as six and Naruto as uh, oh, sorry Dimension W as seven and Naruto as six now. 
Okay. Um, I have mixed feelings on that. I think that Naruto right now is really good. And I think that when it shifts into Shippuden, it will get better. But I'm not sure. I, it's weird. It's a it's sort of an apples to oranges co- comparison because Naruto is more than a hundred episodes of plot, and then it has a sequel series which is more or less a direct continuation, and is required if you want to finish out the story of Naruto. And Dimension W is twelve episodes, and yeah, <laughs> so I I don't know. I think I like Naruto more. I've also seen and read a lot of Naruto in my life, and I've watched Dimension W once for our show. But, yeah, yeah, from my perspective, I loved Dimension W. I thought it was very good. And it's also like a tightly told story without a lot of downtime, whereas Naruto is a frequently poorly told story with a lot of downtime. Less so in the manga, but still a little bit of that meandering stuff that comes from being a weekly publication where you just got to put something out. Um, yeah, and you're sort of making it up as you go along. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna agree with the next listed numbers, which are gonna be Soul Eater is five, Hunter X Hunter is four, Fully Cooly is three, One Punch Man is two, and Bebop is number one and king of all time. Yeah, I the only one I would take offense with is Soul Eater versus Hunter X Hunter. Uh, in, on my list, I would probably put Soul Eater above Hunter X Hunter. Because I like Soul Eater the whole time, and Hunter x Hunter I am also frequently frustrated with. And I was recently listening to an episode of our coverage of early Hunter x Hunter, where I had this epiphany that it's not like a it's not an action anime, it's an adventure anime, and the point isn't the fights. And unfortunately, that's just not what I want. <laughs> and they also kind of tease the fights and then frequently don't give them to you. Um, and I just find, I find Hunter x Hunter to be a, an extremely well-told story that is also narratively infuriating at times. And mm-hmm. the current arc that we're in, the Chimera Ants, I feel is a huge misstep in narrative storytelling. We haven't gotten to the reason for that. That'll be our next year. But basically there are major pacing issues that will come into play. And um, I don't know. For me, I would definitely put Soul Eater above that. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. Okay. Well. Okay. So the the last thing that we're gonna do is our awards for the year. <laughs> so, uh, and I haven't even thought about any of these. So let's see what we come up with off the top of our head. So best OP. That's the opening animation. Um, mm-hmm. And that for me, that's actually an easy win. Uh, my favorite opening from Naruto is the current one. The uh, sort of yellow colored intro that accompanies the Sasuke retrieval arc. It is upbeat. The animation is snappy and exciting. It's so good. Uh, the song is fun. I just love it. Love it. Love it so much. And I think I know yours yeah. also. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually that's, that's not true. My favorite is going to be a little bit off the rails here just because I love that Naruto opening, but I'm going to give it to Jojo's bizarre adventure just because I think, I think that Jojo's bizarre adventure has an opening that is probably the best part of the show. (laughs) I thought that you were going to swerve off of Naruto and give it to soul eater, which also has a phenomenal opening. I love soul eaters opening, but 
I want to talk about Jojo's Bizarre Adventures opening before it is finally gone from our memories. And it's literally one of the best parts in the entire show, is this is this opening of the show. It is super upbeat, super weirdly animated with like some like like 3d animation and weird stylized moments um but it's also like a really exciting moment before you're given a show that doesn't live up to the op yeah let me uh let me jump on your train here for a second and add two bits one is that the opening they do a really fun thing with the opening at the end of the show which is they are fighting dio Dio has the ability to stop time and they incorporate that into the intro. And so they have mm-hmm. the intro cut out and add in this extra section just for the final boss battle. And that is really smart and a really mm-hmm. good use of the medium. Uh, and then the other thing I'd like to add is a sort of honorable mention to the outro for Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which is a really yeah. relaxing and pleasing musical interlude. Yeah. All right, so next we're going to have the best animation of the year. Okay. Um, this, uh, this unfortunately, is never going to be touched uh, while we are still watching it um, because the only shows... Uh, there's very few shows that can touch the animation quality that Soul Eater has. It is so stylized yeah. and so interesting, and they do not take a break from putting the money in. I strongly agree. Soul Eater is the easy winner here. Um, Naruto has some highlight moments. Hunter x Hunter is also of a very high quality, but um, the difference is that Hunter x Hunter has to make more than 100 episodes, and Soul Eater just has to make a year's worth, so they're able to use their money a little more efficiently. And Hunter x Hunter does cut corners much less than the average anime, but it's it's there. And Soul Eater, it just doesn't feel like any corners are being cut. Yeah. All right. So my favorite fight of the year um, is going to be um, maybe a little bit different than yours, Blake. I don't know what you're thinking, but mine is uh, the Chimera Ants versus the Phantom Troop because I love those episodes. Um, It's just it's just watching some of your favorite characters inside of the show just beat the Christ out of a villain. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good choice. Um. There are, let's see, there are a lot of good fights in here, and I think I am going to go with actually a weird choice, which is the dodgeball game from Greed Island. It is Mm. an atypical fight, but it is absolutely structured as a fight, and um, Mm -hmm. I think fits in with what you're looking for from an anime fight, and I think it's fantastic, and I'm going to pick that yeah all right so the funniest moment of the year i think i think we're both gonna we're both gonna say that this is from soul eater yeah um and i think it is going to be just the different episodes that have excalibur in it yep that's um, it (laughs) because they're just they're just so fucking funny uh the most recent one has one of the funniest moments where like these these like nymphs that are watching after Excalibur are finally living their best life while he's gone and then just have everything <laughs> crashing down around them after he comes back. Yeah, it's great. It's so great. Um so this this next category is weird. It's the most anime moment. And what you mean here is that anime is a sometimes wild medium where things are just there's a a sort of off-the-wall creativity that rears its head periodically in anime. And I think that uh, 
that is one of the fun things that anime has that most other medium tend not to have. So the most anime moment. Um, let me see. It's almost certainly for me coming from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, yeah. I would say that my most anime moment of the year um, is a tie um, between um, uh, between JoJo getting hit by a literal truck um, inside of the final fight between him and Dio um, and them punching their way through the truck. Um, and the only one other one that comes close is the dumb, dumb, dumb time that happened inside of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure where like there's just a a, a electrical outlet in the middle of the desert <laughs> and they're just like let's touch it <laughs> that is those are both really strongly good points these people are the dumbest fucking people uh, yeah. I might go with the dog versus bird fight at the bottom of the river the, that oh is, yeah crazy talk and it happens uh unironically in this show a dog flees to the bottom of the ocean to make a sand igloo for himself not to drown and a bird chases him to the bottom not of the ocean but of the river and fights him down there it's completely nonsense actually kind of enjoyable and totally out of left field and would never show up in something that's not anime yeah okay so the next one is uh really important because i'm going to be talking about somebody that is uh very very different from the anime community but you should still watch all of his things um which is our favorite content creator of the year um, and I would say that my favorite content creator of the year um, is going to be from Polygon, um, mm. and that is Brian Gilbert, um, because he is just the best. He is hilarious and really smart and great. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. Uh, I was going to say Mother's Basement for myself. I watched a lot of Mother's Basement this year. Uh, usually I pick Super Eyepatch Wolf. Uh Super Patch Wolf is still great, but Mother's Basement releases uh, several videos a week. I think two videos a week, often clocking in at around 20 minutes. So that's a lot of content. Uh, and he talks about almost exclusively anime and has some really good insights. Uh, he has some really good series breakdown, which includes spoilers sometimes. So beware if you want to watch a video about a show. Um, try to check around and see if he's got a few... Um, a few videos about it or if there's some indication that it's going to discuss the entire thing um, he will also often tee you up uh, but he also talks about um, different genre trappings of anime um, he, he just kind of covers the gamut of it and it's a really good channel he also has a lot of pro jojo's bizarre adventure content so if you're into that and you're not getting it here then you can find that there and come back to us for other things uh, and he also has a lot of Sword Art Online hate, which is really fun and funny to watch. I've never watched Sword Art Online, but I really enjoy his takedowns of it. And uh, so if you love to hate on that show, too, he's got a lot of stuff for you. Yeah. Um, the next two are pretty interesting. Anime most work, we're most excited to watch. And then favorite anime of the year. Um, anime that I'm most excited to watch is... Uh, I. I 
I don't know if it's going to be a little bit of a cop-out, um, but I, I'm really, really excited to watch uh, some more of these different shonen shows that are off the unbeaten path. Um, there's there's a bunch of these shows that um, I'm, I'm going to be covering in the series for our Patreon patrons um, that are just shows that I know that we will never cover inside of this if I didn't cover it here. Um, but the other one that is a uh, kind of a reveal for next year is uh well it's not really a reveal because we kind of said on the last episode is that our our we our poll is officially closed and we are going to be watching Yu Yu show next and I am so pumped about it. Yeah, that is very <laughs> exciting. I have actually watched a little Yu Yu Hakusho this year because I did not anticipate us doing it on our show. So, uh I have watched the first few arcs. It is it has this really great classic feel to it. Um where it's like it's definitely from the dbz era before the storytelling sort of switched into a slightly more modern way of doing things and it it's just it's so good and it walks this line between feeling very nostalgic but also telling a great story um so i'm really excited to to rewatch the beginning of it and then continue because i've never seen the whole thing i know what happens but uh i have not seen it and so i'm excited to really experience it um, I would say the anime I'm most excited to watch, though, it, I'm a little bit of a broken record here, is um, My Hero Academia. It has a new season. The new season is supposed to be very, very good, which is not a surprise because the entire show is very, very good. Um, but it is, to me, a constant pleasant surprise at how good it is at sustaining this sense of hope and enthusiasm and thrill that just permeates the show it is just it's a good time it's really beautifully animated it has some of the best fights i've seen in anime all of all of those things i like but you can find those in shows that don't have a good story to tell this one accompanies that with a really good story it's a simple story but it's excellent and it's really well told i don't know what happens next i'm not i haven't read ahead in the manga I have been avoiding any discussion of season four. I've basically seen people talk about that it's good and that there are some big things that are going to happen in season four. And I don't know anything else beyond that. Um, And I'm really excited to watch it. And uh, I know I talk about it a lot, but it's just it's consistently excellent. Um, So definitely worth checking out if you haven't yet. And definitely my most excited yeah um i would say that the the favorite anime of the year i would just say um you know what my favorite anime of the year is probably fire force (laughs) i mean i've talked about it a lot you know i've mentioned it over and over and over again and if you haven't watched it yet you should um i would just say that i have now watched the entirety of the first season um, I can say that it starts at a high level and it goes way beyond that by the end of the first season. Um, it is a fantastic show that has a crazy, crazy world built into it. It does a lot of things where it battles against like a, uh, a world with a religion that is built over um, uh, from what people are being traumatized by basically which is that the world is full of people that are like self-immolating they're just lighting on fire and becoming demons um it is a incredible show and you should definitely watch it 
Um, I would probably, I, I would probably pick My Hero Academia here as well for the reasons I just cited. It is just such a well-told story and it, it gets emotional rises out of you that are really thrilling and exciting and often very moving and pretty much across the board positive. Um, it's, it's not hard to watch like Full Metal Alchemist can be. Um, it's funny, but it's not overly funny. It's just, it's very earnest and sincere in a way that just continues to land really well. Um, but if we have to pick a favorite anime of the year from our coverage, I think there's a pretty easy winner. Um, yeah, Soul Leader's the best. It's definitely Soul Leader, <laughs> which is also, if you don't know, the same creator as Fire Force. That's his next big hit after Soul Eater. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just great. It's such a good show. No, there's no fat to trim like there is in Naruto. Uh, everything that you want to happen is achieved, unlike in Hunter x Hunter. And it makes sense, unlike in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So it's just fantastic. And I'm excited to keep watching it next year. Yeah. So um, with that being said, uh, thanks for sticking with us through another year of making the show. Um, we are excited to make it. We're excited to continue into next year. Um, uh, after the credits, there's there's not going to be anything. You might hear, you know, chirping of, of crickets. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, we're going to be out for a week. So I hope you enjoy this super long episode and uh, we will see you in the new year. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. Our podcast is ad-free, and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way, too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. <laughs>